Um, we're just going to jump jump into to, to the word for today. Uh, we are we are quickly getting to the end of the series. This is uh, part nine of, of a series entitled "Messy Church." We've been looking at First uh, Corinthians, the book of First Corinthians, and the the church, the work that Paul started in the city of Corinth, and and this letter that he wrote to them to to uh, help establish and, and deal with some issues. Um, it's been really encouraging to me to see um, just, you know, the breadth of how, the kind of the, the duality of how, how many issues and some of the issues they're dealing with uh, in this early church, and yet how, uh, how significant, how much God was moving in their midst, and, and what an impact that that church had on that city. That they didn't have to, you know, God wasn't, God didn't wait till they were perfect and clean and nice and neat and had all their ducks in a row before he used them mightily in that city, um, before he, he met with them, before he, 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 he loved them, before he transformed them. It, it was a, it was a, both were happening uh, at the same time. And that's been an encouragement uh, for me and in my life because uh, I know that, 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 there have been and, pro- and will always be messes in my life. Um, but, but one thing that, that I hope this series has, has kind of shed a light on is that doesn't negate you being used by God. That doesn't negate, as we're going to talk about today, you being uh, loved by God. And, and it certainly doesn't negate um, you, you, God's ability to clean up those messes in the process. Um, Last two weeks, we've been we've been going through uh, chapters twelve and fourteen, which talk a lot about the the the, the gifts of the spirit, these um, tools, these the supernatural um, connection that 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 through the spirit, God God works in us and through us to be an encouragement to one another. Um, we don't have time to go back into those, um, but. But they, he spent those two chapters talking about not, not, not only what they were, but how they are best used to, to edify the body. Um, how when, when we become believers, the Holy Spirit's deposit, deposits, when we become believers, the Holy Spirit is deposited in us. Excuse me. Uh, one of his roles and desires is that he wants to express himself to the world through us. And he wants to uh, reveal to us who God is, who he is. The gifts that, that, that display and make God, God's will known, his heart known, his, his thoughts, his truth, his power. That's what the gifts of the Spirit are, are for. Um, gifts like prophecy, healing, the gifts of helps, uh, miracles. Except there's a long list. And, and in fact, in Corinthians, it's, it's not an exhaustive list. There, there's several lists throughout the, the New Testament um, because it's not, God is not, you know, the gifts God can give are as limited as his creativity is. So, you know, it's a long list. <laughs> and I think it's still, still probably growing to some, to some degree. Uh, we looked at chapter 12 and 14 um, the last couple of weeks. But in the middle, and I said we were going to come back to it. In the middle, Paul uh, uh, shifts gears a little bit. And he, he, in the middle of these two chapters on the gifts, he, he puts... What is really the cornerstone of the gifts themselves? And, and it, it feels like a swing to another topic, but it's really not. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. Um, that's the way uh, kind of Greek rhetoric worked, was you would, you would hit a subject and then 
talk about the other side of the subject and then come back to the subject. So that's what we're, we're seeing here. And we decided to take 12 and 14 and do them first. And then, and then we'll swing to the other side. And so that's, that's where we find ourselves today. Uh, let's just open with a word of prayer and then we're going to just jump into to the text. So Fa- Father, we, just, we thank you. We have sensed your presence this morning. God, you are so good. Lord, we just invite you into to, to reveal yourself through your word, God. There's no, no wisdom that I have that, that, that is going to change anybody. We, we, we believe that your word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we, we, we give you our hearts and our minds today and say, 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 use your word to transform us this morning. Amen. Um, we're going to start at the end of chapter 12, uh, verse 30 and 31. Uh, Paul writes, do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have the ability to interpret um, unknown languages? Of course not. So he's, he's winding up his, his discourse on, on the gifts. But here, here's the verse that he segues into chapter 13 with this one statement. And it's crucial to kind of give us the, the context or the import for the chapter we're about to read. He says, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. That is best of all. And then he goes into chapter 13, which, which we'll get into in a minute. But I want to show you at the other end. So he has chapter 13. And at the other end, when he's about to go back into talking about the, the gifts in chapter 14, chapter 14, verse 1, he says, he says this, let love be your highest goal. Highest, above these other things. You know, in, in, if you were here the last couple weeks, we were looking at the gifts and we, we saw that there's, Paul likes to rank stuff, you know, <laughs> and it's helpful for us. It's not always necessarily what is the most, you know, uh, it's what is the most practical or what is the most important for us to focus on. And he says that love is the highest goal, above the gifts even, above all of these other, you know, things that get the headlines and supernatural things that that we may just marvel at. Above all of that, let love be your highest goal. But why? (laughs) That's the question, right? Why is love so important? Um, uh, if we jump, we have to jump to First John to actually get a, a, the best, I think, concise answer. Um, John writes in, in, in First John chapter four. He says, "Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves, anyone who loves, is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love God does not know God, for God is love." And God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life by him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. It's so important because the God that we're seeking, the God that we're serving, the God we're trying to emulate is love. And if our goal is to reflect who he is, then love is what we have to be reflecting. That, that, I think that's, um, you know, if you've, if you've been around church, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is not new information, right? This is, God is love and we should, we should be loving. Um, and so today, we're, that's, that is the, you know, spoiler alert, that's, ju- that's chapter 13. That's what we're going to be looking at today. 
Um, this idea of, of love. What is it? And, and when the Bible talks about love, you know, in English, sometimes things get, uh, translations aren't always the most, uh, most helpful at times because like with the word love, you may be familiar. We say love in, in the language in, in Koine, in the, in the Greek, when this was written, they had multiple words that we all translate love, right? There's, there's multiple different uh, words that get translated in our language into love. And, and the word that, that, that is used when we're talking about God's love is, what is it? Agape. Yes, you guys are all super smart. Uh, Paul is describing, and he's going to be defining in this chapter, God's love, which is, which is not the same as some of the other types of love. Not that those other loves are, are bad. Um, a matter of fact, all of the other kinds of loves uh, can be found in God's love in some way. They, when, when expressed healthily, um, they can be, they can, they fall into line with an expression of, of agape. But there are other ones. There's phileo, which is brotherly love. Um, it's where we get the, you know, the name Philadelphia. Not sure why that city got that name, because it doesn't really seem to fit much with the city itself. But, so you have a brotherly love. You have eros, which is where we get our term erotic. It's a it's the sensual, it's the sexual, romantic love. And then we have, there's storge, which is family love, affection, empathy, compassion. And then there, there, there's agape. And this is the term we're going to be looking to understand today, is, is agape love. Um, but it's un, it, we have to start with the foundation that not all love is agape love. And, and much of our... Much of our um, Confusion and some of our issues in life and certainly in, in the world is, is, is not understanding the difference. It's it seeing something um, that, that is not agape love and, and, and mistaking it for the real thing. Why is love important? Well, quite simply because you can't be Christ-like and be unloving. It's not possible. If God is love and, and, and Christ is God and we want to be like Christ, you know, just the law, basic logic. We, you can't be unloving and Christ-like at the same time. And so if we're going to pursue God, if we're going to pursue being like Jesus, then we have to pursue and we have to understand what, what is this agape sort of love? What is it, what is it? So, so I, you know, it's like that old saying, if you... You aim for nothing, you'll hit it every time. You know, we have to understand what this what this love is so that we, we know if we're if we're doing it, if we're if we even have it in our in our in our lives. So we'll jump into chapter 13, verse verse 1. Paul begins to to explain the the importance of of this love. He says, if I could speak with all the language of the earth. Um, and then angels, but I didn't love others. I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I stood all, understood all of God's secret plans and possessions or possessed all knowledge, and if I uh, had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is how God evaluates our actions. 
This is a, this is a, a according, to, according to Paul, this is the litmus test. Not, not, not just the actions themselves. Love is, this agape love is the thing that we are to deliver to this word, world. And it's, you know, we've been talking about spiritual gifts and, and, and in the church, whether it be spiritual gifts or, or you know, in the last number of years, the church has gotten, and, and rightfully so, uh, in, very involved and focused on, on social justice issues and there, there's a, and humanitarian issues and feeding people and, and all these things. They're wonderful things. But we have to make sure that we never lose sight of what we are actually called to deliver to this world. And it's love. All of those other things are just tools that are to be used to deposit and to reveal God's love. I look at it this way. Gifts. The gifts of the Spirit. The, the things that we do are, we have to always remember, those are the pizza delivery guy, not the pizza right? Doorbell rings. You're happy that the pizza delivery guy is there, but that's not really why you called. You didn't call to see Joe, right? You, you called for a pizza. And while, it's, while the pizza delivery guy is important, that's how the pizza got there, what, what you called for, what you needed was the pizza, and it's important that we understand that, that love is the pizza. All of the other things are merely just the delivery guy. Whether it's, it's getting a, a gift of knowledge for someone or coming alongside a friend in a hard time or giving, giving someone a new car. If it's not done in love, Jesus isn't being represented. And you say, well, how could you possibly do any of those things not in love? They sound so good. Well, that's true. But it can be. <laughs> We're good. Our hearts, our, our, our mind, we are really good at, 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 at confusing things. And it, it, it's, not, it's not unheard of. It's, it's not that difficult to do, do a godly thing for a selfish reason. It's really not. But I'm not teaching, I'm not saying anything that's super controversial at this moment, right? Love being important and an essential part of life. This is, we all agree on this. And not, this isn't even just a church thing, right? This is a, most people in general agree with this sentiment. We have multiple songs written about it. Every generation has a, some sort of song that, you know, that all we need is love. Right? We, we write, we all agree on this. Even those that wouldn't credit God as its source, um, most people at least aspire or claim to aspire to be loving. The problem comes that if God isn't the source, if we take him out of the equation, we lose both our definition and our power, our capacity for agape, for true love. If God is the source, as soon as you take that, that source out, we, we lose the actual ability to, to, to walk in and, and transmit this agape love, and we also lose an understanding of what it even is. Am I saying that, that, that you know, only Christians can be loving? No, that's not, I'm not saying that. That's, that would be... That would be foolish to say. I'm saying, I'm saying that only Christians can agape. 
can reflect a love that can draw others into a relationship with Jesus, that can push back the the spiritual strongholds and evils and darkness in this world. I'm saying that only through a revelation of, of the Holy Spirit can you know agape in your life. So what is this true love? What is, what is, what is this definition of, of agape? Paul's going to give us this definition by description. Because it's a, it's, a, it's a big idea and it's hard. So he, he's going to spend most, most of the rest of the chapter trying to describe it. Both what it is and what it is not. And both are very helpful for us to understand, you know, anything. You know, what is something is sometimes the easiest way to understand what something is is by, you know, someone tells you what it isn't, <laughs> you know. And so we have kind of both of those. And so uh, we're just going to take a few minutes and kind of read through, again, super familiar passage. And, and the danger with these sort of passages is that they, they, they lose their, um, it's easy for us to, to dis, not dismiss the truth of them, but have, we lower our expectation of, of uh, impact in our life because it's easy for us to, to get confu- confuse information for, for inspiration. The Holy Spirit can speak through a word you've heard a million times that you know the fact of, and in, in, in an instant, it can become a life-forming, transforming moment and, and, and uh, encounter with God even though you knew the fact of the verse before. Love is defined by God. First Corinthians, so chap, chapter four, he, or verse four, he gets into it. He says, right off the bat, love is patient and kind. These are, this is kind of the, if you had to pick one sentence that sums up the rest, he stuck it at the beginning. Love is patient and kind. Uh, right, right off the bat, Paul is, is, is challenging us. Patience is, is, it's a virtue. It's also really, really hard. <laughs> um, th- this love of, of that, that God has and is, is patient. It, it, is, it has the ability to restrain itself regardless of external circumstances. It, it, it's kind. It, it not only restrains itself when, when it's being attacked and, and when things aren't going well, but it is also proactive. Kindness, uh, this word kindness is about, is about actively pursuing blessing for somebody else. Doing something, doing something on their behalf or for them. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is, is not jealous or boastful, or proud, or, or rude. That sounds obvious, but the implications, impl- implications of, the, of this reality is, is significant. Because you can't love what you're jealous of. And you'll always love most what you're most proud of. And that, that, that word, uh, rude, it, 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 some translations have it unbecoming. It, it's talk, it has this kind of the picture of, 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 of the manner in which you relate to somebody else. 
And what, what Paul is saying here is, when we love, I, I relate to everybody with the respect that God deserves, not the respect that they deserve. That's hard. That can be hard at times. Um, but as, as, as a Christian, if, if I'm walking in love, the Holy Spirit empowers me to show undue respect to everybody. It doesn't, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter what they're doing or they're saying or the way they're saying it. Agape love gives us the power to rise above that and, and speak to them with the respect that Christ deserves, not they deserve. Love doesn't demand its own way. That's, that's not fun. <laughs> we like to demand our own way. The, the, this, is, this phrase talks about the, that the relationship is contingent upon you getting what you want out of the relationship. That, that, that the relationship itself is based on that. It's a, and, and that's not an agape loving relationship. That's a, at the end of the day, that's a business deal. Right? I'm going to, it's like me and my cable company. I will give them money for my cable as long as it works pretty, it works well enough for me, and I can't find anybody else to, to give it to me at a cheaper rate. <laughs> if either of those two things happen, I'm done, I'm out, right? <laughs> but that's not an agape relationship. Where can, now, that, that, that's, that's different than. Um, it's contingent on what you want. There are, listen, everybody has real needs in relationships, right? And it's not saying that you have, that, that a loving God or being, having this agape love means that you have to ignore your relational needs in a relationship. That's not, that's not what this is saying. Um, it's saying that, that it's, when, when it's talking about not demanding your own way, it's saying that you have created these relationships or, or your, your rules for your relationships are, are set such that it's all based on the relationship will continue as long as I get what I want, not, not, not what I need and not what God wants. It's, it's, it's putting yourself and your, your preferences at, the, at the, the, the deciding point of whether a relationship continues or not. Saying we don't do that. That's a, that's a selfish, self-centered sort of relationship where, where everything is filtered through how, how, how it um, benefits you. Love, does, loves that, that's not, that's, love is the opposite of that. He also, Paul goes on and says, it, it's not irritable. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a, I, I, that word always cracks me in this translation. That's such a like to me. It's like a modern word, and it just feels kind of weird being in the like in in the Bible. Irritable. I don't know why, um, but but some translations have it. It is not provoked, which I think is brings some clarity to me. It's saying that that uh, when, when we love, when we are filled with God's love, when we are expressing God's love. Outside circumstances can't change our response. We are responding out of who God is and what we know of his truth. We are not responding out of what, what is going on around us or to us. 
This is, this is uh, just such a powerful part of, of agape, of God's love. To be able to, to, to have... Um, when, when we get this part of, of agape, when you have this part of love present in your life, operating in your life, you are you become um, really, really strong. <laughs> you are you are unoffendable. You are um, really immovable. There, there's nothing that somebody else can. If you can't be provoked, I've I have completely cut off the outside world from manipulating me. Right. If I if if I live in a state where through the Holy Spirit I understand that, and I nothing nothing you do, nothing you say can alter the my course of action or even my attitude. I am now. Um, you have very 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 little power over me. That's why I said we're not provoked. It says love keeps no record of being wronged. Love always forgives. Love always forgives. It, 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 it wipes the slate clean of, of the, the need for vengeance. It doesn't hold that thing against the other person. But I do want to make one caveat here. It, it doesn't say love always trusts. There's a difference. You can forgive somebody. We have to, and we always can forgive. We don't always have to trust again. You know, like, like that old saying, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me once, fool me twice, shame on you, right? That's, or the other way around, whatever it is. <laughs> Apparently I'm George W. Bush today. Um... We can't always trust somebody. Not everybody's trustworthy. <laughs> and, 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 and loving a person doesn't require us to have some blindfold on to, to, to their shortcomings. And in fact, it can, be a, it can be an unloving thing to put trust in an untrustworthy person. Especially if you are a child of God. Because God loves you. God protects you. God will hold account the people that, that hurt you. That's why it says, you don't have to worry about it. It says, don't take vengeance. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, right? <laughs> he, he is a God of justice. That is a real thing. Um, and so it, it actually is not a loving thing to trust somebody that is untrustworthy because if you give them that trust and they hurt you, now, now they've got beef with Jesus. And that's not a place you want to be, right? So we're not saying, when we say we keep no record of wrong, that means we forgive we, 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 ask, we ask the Lord to be merciful towards them. We let go. We, we hold nothing from them as far as uh, wanting, wanting payment or, or vengeance on, on that. But it doesn't mean that, you know, uh, your 16-year-old wraps your truck around a tree. It doesn't mean you have to go out and buy him another truck, right? <laughs> it's, a different, it's a different thing. Love keeps no record of wrong. That's true for other people, and that's true for yourself. That's true for yourself. You have, to, you have to be willing to forgive yourself. 
We go on verse 6, it says, And it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Injustice can, can also be translated, and I prefer uh, unrighteousness because it's a little bit bigger of a term. Um, it, it, unrighteousness includes injustice because God is just. It is part, a core part of his character, and anything that is unjust is unrighteous. But it includes even more than that. Um, a big part of God's love is, is, is the revelation of truth. And truth winning in circumstances. Listen, a lie is not loving. Even if it, even if it avoids conflict. Right? Doing the loving thing is not about avoiding conflict. Which sounds weird. And much of the time, doing the loving thing, you know, a, harsh, a gentle word turns away wrath, all that. It, it, it does. But that's not the goal of love, is not to avoid conflict. At least not agape love. Um, love, you can't have love without truth. And sometimes, much of the time, um, we are, are really right now, we are being tempted, uh, even in, especially in the church right now, to make, make a choice or, or there's, a, there's this idea out there that, that uh, we want to be loving so we need to let go of some truths. And, and, and it's, it's not true. We, we can't do that. Truth, uh, truth, and truth being revealed and truth winning is loving. It, it is loving because you can't, you can't bring somebody or offer them an opportunity for freedom without truth. Verse 7, he goes on, he says, uh, love never gives up, it never loses faith, it's always hopeful, it endures through every circumstance. Read that again, it's like this, th verse 7 to me is like the, all that other stuff, you're like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Um, but then you get here and it's just like, okay, now you just, you jump the shark, right? You know that term, jump the shark, uh, uh, it's a... It's, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but if you're not sure, uh, if you've never heard of that term, it's a term in TV when it means the show has gotten too ridiculous, basically. And it, it, the term actually comes from the old Happy Days show. They did an episode towards the end of the run where they had Fonzie actually literally ski jump a shark in his, you know, still in his full jacket, didn't get wet, his hair still and played the whole, the whole thing. Um, and, and, and the show was canceled not long after that. And so that, that term has now become jumping the shark. And, and th this verse to me is kind of that jump the shark verse. It's like, well, I was holding on for a little bit. And then I get to this one. And I'm just like, oh, man, this is ridiculous. I can't, I, I can't, I can't do this. I can't, love, love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful. Always hopeful. I mean, I've probably failed that one like, bef like literally before I get my contacts in in the morning. <laughs> and endures through every circumstance, really every? This feels impossible. And if I'm going to be loving, got to tell the truth, it is. <laughs> It, it, it is impossible, and we have to embrace that, that what God is asking here is impossible. 
His, his definition of this love is impossible for any human to do. For any human to do. Which is why Jesus came. Paul says later in, in another book, he says, but for those, and this is slightly an adaptation, but, but it's pretty much the scripture. He says, but for those that are in Christ, you, your old self has been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer you who live, but Christ lives in you. So you live in this early body, earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. You can't do it. Agape is a love that is solely executed through the power and the Spirit of God. But what, as followers of Jesus, when we put our trust in Him, when, he, when he, His Holy Spirit is deposited within us, we are empowered to live Jesus' life. And Jesus' life is agape. This is what it looks like to, to love by Jesus. But this can only happen as we experience that kind of love from Jesus. To bring this full circle, you know, we've talked the last couple of weeks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And we have to remember, kind of bring it, zoom out a little bit. That, that, that's where this chapter sits, is in a conversation about the gifts of the Spirit and what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. And there's, there's a reason that this is at literally the heart of that passage is that, that being filled with the Holy Spirit has to include being filled with His love. This kind of love, not for, just for other people, but for you. And then out of that love, He empowers us. And he equips us to, to transport and to, to, to give that love away. But so much of the time, we, 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 we focus so much on the, the how salvation happens and, and, and the doctrine and make sure we say it right and make sure we confess and make sure we, we, we're, we're living right that we, we don't spend enough time being transformed and, and really receiving the revelation of Jesus' love for you. All those things we just got done talking about, that whole chapter 13, how much of that is real in your understanding, your, your initial uh, reflexive belief about God's thoughts towards you? Because that's what this is. If God is love, if God is agape, <laughs> and God loves us, this is the this is what this is what he is to us. He, he he's not uh, he he's not jealous. He's not rude. He he. This sounds really weird, but somehow he doesn't demand his own way. That's maybe the scariest truth in all the Bible. <laughs> you know that. The, Dad's, uh, dad has a line, he says, you know, when, when you start to understand free will, you quickly want to give it back. It's not selfish. God is not, not selfish. He's not, here's one, he's not irritable. You can't provoke God to not love you. 
You can't provoke God to not be patient with you. There's nothing you can do that, that can provoke him to stop being kind towards you. He keeps no record of wrong. As far as the east is from the west, he's removed our sins. And there's a lot of us that spend most of our tri life trying to prove to God or trying to earn, um, to make up for things that we've done that he doesn't even remember. He keeps no record of wrong. When we, when we repent of something, when we come before him, when he cleanses us, he cleanses us of all unrighteousness. It's done. It's over. It, it, it will never be a factor from his side ever again. The only time it continues to be a factor is, is when we keep bringing it up. Is when we can't let it go. It's when we can't believe that he actually forgave us. It's when we believe the lie of the enemy that it's still chasing us. It's still haunting us. It's that lie, that, 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 that little tape recorder he loves to play every time something bad happens where he tries to tie that thing back to your, your, your greatest mistake or something you did to try and, try and trap you in this trap of not believing in the goodness and the forgiveness of your Savior. But he keeps no record of wrong. He doesn't rejoice about un, un, un injustice, but rejoices whenever truth wins out. Listen, God is, God, God is never happy about injustice. He's never happy about unrighteousness. But he always rejoices in the truth. That means when, when, we, when we confess, when we repent, when, new, when we, we submit ourselves to new truth, when we receive new truth, his reaction is to rejoice in the truth, not, not to sit there and be frustrated that it took you so long to get there. <laughs> He's not us. It also means that, that God loves you enough to tell you the truth, to tell us the truth. The truth is never going to, to change. A lie is not in him. And that, that confrontation can be really hard for us, especially if we haven't received, if we don't, if we don't have a fully orbed understanding of God's love because the tone in which we hear it, or as Elder Rye would say, the music in which we hear the words that are coming is going to be very harsh and judgmental and condemning. When in reality, it, it, it's the, God is speaking the truth to us, confronting us with truths in, in different areas of our life, confronting us with, with, with the areas and the sin in our life because he wants to be able to, to move us to a place where we can rejoice in the truth together. There's no part of God that enjoys the, the, the damage that sin causes. Or, or, the, or, or the, the consequences of sin. It doesn't give him pleasure. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures in every circumstance. Jesus never gives up. Jesus never loses faith. He is always hopeful. And he endures through every circumstance.
my favorite characters in the Bible is Peter. Just because there's, we see this like, we get to see this ongoing progression of, I think, it's like one of, he's one of the best like character studies for this verse. Where, where Jesus calls him and invites him at the beginning and throughout his life, you just see him constantly just making a mess of things, sticking his foot in his mouth, you know, doing, doing the wrong thing. And over and over again, Jesus keeps restoring him and calling him to something greater and, 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 and speaking destiny into him and challenging him and developing him. And yeah, Peter is a pretty important dude and did a lot of amazing things. Um, but Jesus' love towards him and the way he treated him honestly isn't anything special. It's how he deals with all of us. This is what it looks like to, to have Jesus love us. And so I want to close our time today uh, simply. And it's just to take a moment. I'm going to ask a question and then give you a chance to, to, to respond. And, and Lily is going to sing a song that give us a time to, to reflect. Um, I guess a couple questions. First one is... Uh, Simply this is this does this, as I, as I was talking today about God's love is that a, is is that the God that you know is that the love that you have not 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 just read about that you have experienced in your own life? Just take a few minutes and just just answer that question honestly. Or is there a, is there a part of that description that 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 you don't know? You know, maybe it's a f- forgiveness. Maybe it's the fact, you know, the fact that, that God truly does forgive you. Maybe it's the fact that, that he's a gentleman. Maybe it's the fact that you can't be provoked. Maybe it's the fact that he is kindness and wants good things for your life. Maybe it's the, the fact that he is patient. <laughs> is there an area that you, you, if you're honest, you're saying, I've never, I, I don't experientially in my life, that is not my understanding of who God is. If I'm being really honest, like, you know, like honest, not, not church honest, but like for real honest. And if, if not in a minute, we're just going to give you an opportunity to, we're just going to ask the Lord to, to, to show himself to show his love, to reveal his love in in some new ways to us. Because that's where it all starts. We can't have a we can't have a conversation. We can't we can't pursue exporting the pizza to somebody else until we 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 know it tastes good ourselves. <laughs> Lily, would you just sing this song? And just, I just in this moment, would you pray? Would you just talk with the Lord? And then after, after, after we've had a moment to just contemplate, um, we'll pray together.
invitation for anyone who, who is hungry for a, a greater ex- re- revelation of God's love for, for you. That, 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 that works itself out and, and, and bleeds out and, and is the, the motivating factor for for reaching out and, and chain, being a, a kingdom ambassador and all that. Um, but that, that starts with receiving it for yourself. Otherwise, it, it's like a be like a, you know, a guy trying to sell Chevys drives to work every day in a Ford. You're not going to believe that guy. That's not... <laughs> missing out so if, that, if that's you uh, I'm just going to pray pray together um, but if that's you uh, just uh, as we pray would you just just hold your hands up as a, as a sign of agreement that, that you're praying this, this with me you're open to the to the Holy Spirit moving in your heart and in your, in your mind right now.
Father, we come to you right now. God, with our hands extended, just as a sign that God, we, we, we know that you are a God of love. We believe, we, we believe what we have read, what we see in your scripture about this amazing, self-sacrificing, empowering, unbelievable love. Love that, that forgives every, everything, that, that endures everything, that, that, that always hopes, that always trusts, that always empowers, that is kind towards, towards me, that, that, that is patient with me. We know there are, there's depths of that love that, that, that I don't know. I don't know really. I don't know personally. For some of us, it may be a, a forgiveness issue. I don't, I don't some, some people here maybe don't, don't know what it really feels like to, to know that you are forgiven for your, your, your worst your worst mistake ever, your worst sin ever. To know what it feels like to be fully clean and accepted by, by a God that is perfect and holy and yet still, when he sees me, sees a son that he has declared worthy. Spirit, would you, would you reveal to us the, the truth that you have, you have kindness in your, in your intention for us? God, that you want to, your, your reflex towards us is, is a smile and a blessing. That you are... You are better than we can imagine. You are more patient with us that, that, that you, have, you have gifts, you have calling, you have all of these things, that, that you have a path for us that you've ordered and it's a path to bless us and not, not to curse us. That you're not a, a, a frustrated, uh, scolding father figure. That you are... You are loving and you are patient and you have a, a plan that, that isn't just for your agenda, but it's for our, our good and we can trust it and we can rejoice in it. God, would you show us, would you, would you reveal yourself, would you reveal that kind of love to our, our hearts and our minds today? God, would you reveal by your Holy Spirit those areas, our perspective, our worldview of you that, that isn't accurate, that's based on a, a, on a maybe it's based on, on, a, on an earthly uh, model early in life, that you are not our, our earthly father. You are not our, our, our earthly mother. We're not our, our big brother or our, our, our school teacher that, that said you were stupid or your, your, your parents that, that, that 
didn't, weren't able to love the way God did, that you are totally separate from that. God, would you give us eyes to see and, and, and be able to separate, maybe for the first time, the difference between those two things. show us your love so that we are no longer we would never be afraid to to go to you in repentance again God if if we would only see who you really were we would run to you with our sin we would run to you with our with our, our when we mess up 